right, we're back. Welcome to week three of the podcast. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Sylvia Brathman Mental Health Center. I'm your host, Jamie Blaustein, CEO of Sylvia Brathman. I'm here with The Wolf, Ben Brathman, Chief sure. Clinical Officer of Sylvia Brathman, and The Godfather, uh, building off our last episode, Peter Marinelli, uh, founder of Through the Archway. Mm-hmm. Welcome, guys. Good to be hey, here. Good to be Morning. here. Thanks for having me. You guys have that holiday glow. I know we're uh, we're in the holiday season and yeah. people stop working, which I loved as an employee and I, I hate as an employer. Um, but nonetheless, the good time to take a step back, reflect on uh, on, on a full year, and you know, settle down, come in for a landing. So mm-hmm. um, today we're going to talk about a hot topic. Um, I'm hearing this word more and more, and that word is trauma. Now, I know we talk a lot about it in-house, but obviously we are in the behavioral health space, mm-hmm. um, but I'm hearing it a lot more outside. I, I want to get a, a little more granular with this right now, and, and Ben, go to you to start okay. from a more clinical perspective. Like, yeah. What is trauma? So uh, trauma is, is in somewhat simplistic terms, um, it's, it's somebody or something imposed their will on somebody else, uh, on an unsuspecting person or, or, or something. Um, and that can sh- take the shape of, of, you know, anything it could be sexual trauma, uh, mental trauma, physical trauma, spiritual trauma. Um, but simplistically that's, um, you know, that, that's what trauma is. Um, it's, it's also, um, it's also an overload of the brain senses that, something chemically uh, clicks in uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with the person and they're sort of stuck. They, they can't move forward. They can't go back uh, metaphorically, so to speak. And, uh, and there's, they're, they're stuck in that trauma loop uh, like a, like a merry-go-round. Hmm. You mentioned a couple different types, right? I think you said spiritual, sexual, physical. Yeah. Like what do you see most often? And I mean, I could go on and on in these different types, but can you just like distinguish them a little bit? Like what are the most intense? Does it completely vary? Well, it, 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 it does vary. Um, you know, the, you know, the ones that, that we see the most in behavioral health are, are, are the mental and the, 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 the mental trauma and the sexual trauma. Um, we, we see that the most, um, across the board. Um, but each one has its own special, place in, um, in, 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 the, in the model here, you know, and in, in impacting people. Um, and the thing that I'm, that I'm encouraged by is that trauma's definition, <clears throat> like even the definition that I gave you, it, it's, it's sort of open now. Um, and, and I'm very happy about that because people that um, have suffered trauma in the past, they, they never got help because it, it it wasn't even defined as trauma. It was just an, just another day. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was Wednesday. Um, you know, so I'm very, I'm very glad that, that we're, we're, we're taking a look at that. However, I want to go the other side of it too. And that not everything is trauma that, that, that people experience, you know, so sometimes a pencil is a pencil and, 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 you know, and so, you know, we have to also take that into consideration. Um, and so, one of the one of the things that 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 I know that I do um, with trauma is I, I 
I, I like to dive into people's belief systems, you know, and what makes them tick. Um, that that sort of that sort of you know that 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 leads to where are we at with this trauma? What does it mean to the person? And and what's the best approach? So <laughs> I, I have a couple things rumbling around in my head right now, but I guess my question is, is trauma on a relative scale or an absolute scale? Meaning, obviously there's a vicious rape or a murder or something like that. Most people would agree that that's a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. But... And, and this kind of goes with what you were saying about not everything is trauma. Then there are certain things that maybe to one person, it doesn't really touch their psyche or their emotional state. But for that same person, for a different person, that same event might be earth shattering. And I think back to like little interactions I had when I was little that were like laughable today. But at the time, it cut deep. Absolutely. Peter, I've heard you tell this story. I wanted you to tell it uh, when you were the little kid with the bike and, you know, you go, you go in the store. Yeah. Tell me about that, because that's something that comes to mind where that feels like it was impactful and it could have been trauma um, in terms of how you perceived it. But most people would say that's not trauma. Yeah, I also think uh, some people appear to bounce back real quick or or minimize what happened and someone is, is leveled by the same incident. In either scenario, it leaves residue. And what happens is that person begins to operate out of that place, that wounded place. I was a a little guy uh, growing up in the 60s. And uh, where I grew up, it was it was it was like the country. And uh, it was before cell phones and laptops and people actually spoke to each other. It was a a cool time. And um, (laughs) you didn't text anyone. You went to their window and hollered and they open up the window. So you had like real live human friends, not like virtual friends? Yes. And so what we would do in the summertime when school was out, um, that's why I love living in Florida because it reminds me of growing up as a kid that was warm out. And I had my best friend who lived across the street and uh, it would be maybe 7 a.m. And he'd roll into my driveway with the bicycle, the big banana seats and the big chopper hand, handlebars. And we used to attach baseball cards to the spokes to make it sound like it was an engine. It was a cool time. And he'd roll in and he'd call me. And I'd jump out of bed in my pajamas with bed hair and the whole thing. And we'd go down and we'd get on our bikes and drive through the neighborhood. We do this, just go on these excursions and come back. And uh, my mom would have breakfast for us if she was awake and sober. And uh, she would occasionally leave a quarter on the counter. And we go to Max's candy store and get some candy, come home and then have some breakfast and go swimming in the pool. That's pretty innocent. But there's a time growing up where we touch the ego for the first time. And it takes over. And so we were doing this like we did almost every single day in the summertime. We were at Max's uh, uh, candy store. And, and my, my best friend's name was Joseph. He was outside. And uh, I was on my way out and in my pajamas and barefoot. And there was older fella came in, uh, maybe in his 30s. At the time, he was ancient as a little boy. But he was walking and he said something along the lines of, hey, look at these two kids in their pajamas riding their bikes. He must have gotten a kick out of us. What I heard was, look at these two fools. They should be working by now. Now, Joey was completely unaffected by it, but I was leveled by it. I could feel the the blood rush to my head in shame. 
I'm in my pajamas. My hair's not, not combed. I should be doing something with my life. This is seven years old. Well, I never rode the bike in the morning with Joey ever again. I began to lie because the next morning he would come out, I would say, I'm not feeling good. My mom doesn't want me doing it. I learned how to lie and manipulate to control the situation. Further, I would never permit myself to look unkempt again. I paid close attention to how I spoke to people. I never wanted to be deemed as a fool again. That man did not look at us as a fool, but this ego did. Mm. And I touched the ego and everything changed on a dime. Now, if we share that with someone else, well, that's growing up. We all went through that, perhaps for you. But for me, I got hit that morning. That That's, I, I want to kind of go back to the clinical, mm-hmm. you know, is that trauma? Because I've heard mm-hmm. Peter ta- say that from a, many podiums. Yep. Um, it obviously affected him. Yeah. Now, I have a similar story. I was like, I'll, I'll be brief with it. I was like in third grade. I really wanted to go out with this girl. Uh, or great. from yeah, I was wow. uh, ahead of my time. Back that I, I can't help it. Topic, right? hey, you're, 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 you're wait, wait, we gotta, we gotta, <laughs> yeah, let's circle back to that. <laughs> hey, the more, the, let's talk about me for a minute. Right, right, right. No, um, what do you I, actually, you know, I, I was actually a, a really a uh, a baller because I had my mom call her mom oh. to ask her out on a date. Yeah, so uh, she she was a girl from summer camp you didn't and need to speak. Yeah, That's it was great. Pretty, it was pretty cool. So. um Anyway, my mom took us out to eat, and I had this, you know, idea in my head of how it was going to go. She was going to profess her love for me. You know, at this point, you know, we're young enough where it's like, it's not clearly romantic, but you want to kind of test the waters. And anyway, we're driving back, and I made, there was a, a car in front of us that had a Connecticut license plate. And I remember my dad had made a joke before about how Connecticut drivers are bad drivers or something like that. Now, today I hear that about every state, right? Oh, New Jersey drivers, the worst. Florida drivers, the worst, right? Like I think everyone, every state Everybody's targets a different state that right. has the worst drivers. But in any case, the joke didn't land. And she made a comment, very innocent, something like, you know, Jamie, not everyone from Connecticut is a bad driver. And my heart sank in my mind, just like you, Peter, I am a moron. I'm an idiot. She hates me. She just, she, right. So Ben, is that trauma? I mean, it had an impact. So is it more about the impact or on on a relative scale to that person? Or is it about something else? It it could be trauma. Um, I, I, I don't know um, if that impacted you um, immensely, you know, I don't, I don't know if that still stayed with you as you got into active addiction. Um, you know, probably not. I, I think you were embarrassed and, and, and yet, you know, the ego shows up at different times. The difference, just if I use these two stories, right, is that Peter fundamentally changed, um, who he was and he became the pseudo self um, you know, the, the, the ego controlled individual, he mm-hmm. talks specifically about his hair and the way he dresses and the way he talks and, and, uh, very, being very careful and, and calculating. And so, so the, the, the pseudo self is probably when he became an alcoholic, mm-hmm. if I had to guess, um, he just didn't start drinking yet, or maybe he did, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's probably where it started. Um, however, I don't want to take away from from your, you know, from from your uh, from your story, um, but I. But if you look at it, you know, you you see the dramatic effect, 
right? You know, um, and it's and it's it's hard once once you go there, it's hard to you know to take it back and 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 uh, just you know just be okay with it. Um, but also to your point, is that your definition of trauma, my definition is gonna is gonna be slightly different. You know, like what you know what yeah. impacted you. Um, it's um, a lot of things are trauma. We, I mean, I'm sure it was traumatic uh, when we, when we, you know, when we came out of our mother, I'm sure that was, I'm sure that was traumatic to us, you know, like we, we couldn't, but we couldn't, you know, couldn't pick up on that. And I don't know, I don't know if we can go back that far. Um, but, but, you know, tra- trauma is, is loosely defined, um, you know, generally speaking. What, again, what I do like is that it's talked about now. Um, what I don't like is that, uh, people are quick to go, it's trauma, mm-hmm. you know, or you suffer trauma. And then they go down this, this path that just is not, you know, again, again, it's just not trauma. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an incident. It's a, it's an episode. And, um, you know, I've learned from you, you know, not directly, but as, as a layman, you know, as more on the business side of things watching, you know, how you operate, you know, you're huge on the right diagnosis. And what I've noticed is it's not cookie cutter. It's not an exact science. It's sort of art and science. We say that in investment banking, right? It's art and science, right? It's not. So I appreciate that you can't give me a precise definition, right? Right. Like there's probably some intuition that goes involved in yeah. deeming something trauma. There probably is a tech. I mean, there definitely is a textbook of definition of, of it. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's malleable and, you know, what, what's the best way to treat it? Probably not a direct answer to that either, but no, how, how do you treat it? No, not, not a, not a direct answer. You know, there, there's some very effective therapies out there. You know, there's, there's, um, you know, there's, um, hypnosis and EMDR and, and, uh, and, and, and several different types of, um, specialties that, that exist. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer of, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, with trauma and with everything else across the board, because cognitive behavioral therapy, it, it actually, it actually is effective. And that basically is similar to what I was saying is that you look at somebody's, um, thinking and then attached to their thinking, um, is, you know, what are they feeling? And then from there, it's a behavior and there it's an outcome. And, and that's in and again, that's, you know, down and dirty cognitive behavioral therapy. And what we want to do is we want to pull out the irrational beliefs, the irrational thinking, the stinking thinking um, of, of how that's impacting an individual. Based on that, I can, I can then move forward with where is this person with this event? You know, where is this person with, you know, with this particular situation? Is it, you know, they got into a car crash and they walked away and they don't have trauma, but yet their mother, you know, their mother yelled at them, um, you know, and they, they, they can't get over that, you know? So, so you hone in on the irrational beliefs and by honing in on that, you, you try to challenge their belief system. And if you can get somebody to buy into that, which, which more times than not, you can, um, then if they change their belief system, then they have a they have a great opportunity to to get rid of the trauma and 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 actually feel whole again. You know, tra- trauma makes holes in people, mm. and it and it and it creates this mask that that people you know w- walk around in. 
And uh, it's a it's a horrible thing. And it's a it's a terrible feeling um, to take even what Peter was saying about, you know, all the consequences from that one little thing that he heard. I'm sure that he applied that to most things as a, as a child mm-hmm. and adolescent. Now, now, now it's a blanket statement. You know, now, now it's all everybody is right. that everybody is looking at me. Like I'm a punk. We, we often know. talk about a new Absolutely. pair of glasses, and it, it changes the lenses through which you view the world. That's what right. I meant earlier when I said we operate out of that. Yeah, and, yeah. and we come from that place, and everyone we speak to, everything we do, uh, if I do a task and I perform it well, it's not good enough that I'm going to get found out who I really am. It just goes on and on and on. I was a, a little guy, and uh, music came to me naturally. I, I don't know. God gave me this this gene, and uh, you know, the kids in school at seven or eight were playing with G.I. Joes, and I'm listening to the Rolling Stones and, and Gene Krupa and big band music and, and like that. And my mom, bless her heart, took me to a music studio. And uh, I was being taught by this really good drummer. Um, and uh, the lessons, the rudiments, once I learned them, they became boring. I knew how to, I just knew how to do them, inherently knew how to do them. So I didn't practice my lessons. I was trying to emulate Gene Krupa, Ginger Baker, Buddy Rich, and things like that. Uh, And I came out of a lesson one day, and his name was Dennis. He says, it's unbelievable how fast he learns. And my dad says, he hasn't practiced in a week. And Dennis said, what do you mean you're not practicing? You're supposed to be practicing. I says, it's boring. But when my dad said that, I was crushed. I was found out. But moreover, I can't trust my dad anymore. Our relationship was severed at that moment, no matter what he did or said, I can't trust him. He's going to give me up. I was years into uh, 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 being sober. And I had a talk with my dad about that. He didn't even remember it. (laughs) And he had to reassure me. I'm in my 30s now. I had to hear from him that anything I ever did for you as my son was to help you never hurt you. I had to hear that. So you have something like that. Then by the time I'm uh, eight or 10 years old, 12 years old, I'm in the middle of uh, sexual abuse stuff, verbal abuse stuff. That's imprinted. There's a thumbprint on me. I'm out there in the world. No one knows about it, but I'm coming from that place. Certain type of alpha males would scare me to death, not because they were tough, but they were going to hurt me. With music, if I wasn't the best, I failed. It was great or it was terrible. In school, if I didn't get an A+, I'm a loser. This is a horrible way to operate. So I sit in front of a therapist one time. And it was, I thought it was going to go one or two times. It was a uh, a uh, five-year stay with this therapist, took a sabbatical, went back for three more. It was the first time I can sit with, say, someone like Ben, where I wasn't going to get judged and tell him these stories. And he would listen without judgment and little by slowly unravel the knot till I got to a place where I'm okay. Hmm. These things happen. I can't change the best, but I'm okay. I don't have to be like that anymore. I can show up my hair messy, which is never going to happen, by the way. Um, I can show up a little disheveled and no one's going to go, oh, my God. It's it's really okay. Uh, it took a long time to heal from that type of stuff. So you have stuff where parents send a message and we interpret it the wrong way. 
Sometimes parents purposely do that. And then we have stuff like verbal, physical, and sexual abuse that needs a professional hand. And hopefully that person gets to a, the hand, God's hand, and starts to do the healing. I want to ask you about that. So the work that we do spiritually, you know, that, you know, those who have some sort of addiction or alcoholism and and they go through a process for, you know, to connect with, with God or higher power, universe, love, truth, whatever you want to call it. Um, God. God. There you go. Uh, So is that process, is that trauma resolution in some sense? For instance, I remember as part of that process, I wrote down all of my resentments. Um, I, after doing that, really did thorough writing on how did this affect me, which I believe, like when I think trauma, like physical trauma, right? The first time I ever heard trauma was in the context of a car accident, right? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. There's something that's changed on me physically. That's sort of what it is emotionally now, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, right? There's a dent in a way. Um, and so I look at where is that dent? Is it on my pride, my self-esteem? Um, you know, my ambition, my security, my personal relation, right? So how, where is the trauma? And then ultimately, like, what's my role in that? Um, you know, where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, afraid? I wasn't thinking of that as trauma work. But in reality, all of this stuff that caused me to walk around real heavy, you know, it's like a pressure cooker, right? Like, it, it just sort of builds up. And I started to feel a little bit lighter, Similarly, looking at fears, looking at harms that I created. Now, I'm not thinking of this as trauma work, but in effect, you know, I'm just thinking of it as the process of recovery. In effect, that's kind of treating the trauma, right? Just not in front of a therapist. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would. I would. It, it comes in all forms. Um, you, you definitely, if you're, you know, you're getting to the root of it and you're identifying, you know, how, how it impacts you and, and you're making the changes that, and and you're defining it as some sort of trauma, you know, that you experienced. Um, it, it is. Yeah. No, it, for me, there's no separateness. And some folks look at it that way. Here's God and here's the therapist. Here's God and here's a doctor. To me, God put those people there to help us, to mm. assist, uh, to get us yeah. out of that place that we're in. Um, I remember being bullied in school and, you know, uh, family members would say, just fight back. I was too afraid to. And so you walk around feeling cowardly and weak. Another thing that had to be uh, unraveled through a lot of writing assignments and a lot of talking, uh, communicating with the professional. Uh, At the end, or for me, all of those things were roads back to getting right with God. See, if I'm not okay with you in the world, it's because I'm not okay with me. And I'm not okay with me because I'm not okay with God. And these people put in my path, whether they're uh, giving medication, therapy, whatever approach they're doing, to me, it's all connected to God. And once I start to get some traction and start to believe and trust and have faith in this power called God, suddenly I get to be okay in my skin, which means I make peace with whatever out there. Mm. I'm not, I'm not in bondage to that old self anymore. Yeah. Mm. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to piggyback off of a couple of things that you said and you too, Peter, the, there, there's this thing that I, you know, that I talk about in my lectures and then with families and with, with individuals and everything is this concept of, of, um, get got. That, you know, when people have a traumatic experience, um, they walk around uh, with the idea that they're they're going to get got, 
And what that means is that no matter what, right, that person is going to cause me some pain and suffering. This mm-hmm. situation is going to cause me impending you know, doom, impending doom, constant impending mm-hmm. doom. And and just to just to talk about it, addiction for for a minute, addiction equals trauma. If you have if your life has led you to a point where you are now an addict, it doesn't matter what the what the drug of choice is or whatever it is you're addicted to, you are a trauma victim. Plain, plain and simple, plain and simple. Maybe not a victim, but you are, you are, you are suffering from trauma. And the best way to 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 look at that is why do we use substances? Because on some level, we don't like the way we feel, and we want to feel differently. And then you know, you get into tolerance and withdrawal and all that. But why do we want to do that? Because there is some thing, some event, some circumstance that is so unbearable that we have to change the way we feel and change the way we think that's trauma it, it, addiction and trauma are synonymous they're they're not they're, they're they're not separate and in addition to that this is where the mental health piece comes in is that addiction also equals anxiety specifically obsessive compulsive disorder and so treating ocd on any level is treating addiction if somebody has an addiction mm. Because you're able to unravel a lot of their irrational belief systems. And this concept of get God, it's a, it's a really simplistic way of patients to remember and to understand that, yes, they're walking around with a black cloud over their head. They're waiting, they're waiting for you to trip them up. And guess what people do? They create situations where they prove themselves right, self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. And, and whether you're mentally ill, addicted, whatever it is, mm-hmm. all of those categories suffer from this, this get got. Because, and, and, and if you continue, you, you, you end up in this merry-go-round of insanity. Um, and you, know, you, know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We all know that that's insanity, but that's what this is. And, and so that's another way um, to look at it. And it's another reason why um, cognitive behavioral therapy, it absolutely works. It, it absolutely works across the board. Can it be fully eradicated or, or can you just sort of improve the, uh, the impact of it? It, it can be, it can be put in remission. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be eradicated, put in remission. Absolutely. And that has to do with taking control of your life. You know, when you are in the midst of trauma and addiction, you are not in control of your life. Um, there is, you know, there's a disease that is, you know, that is beating the crap out of you. You know, there's an entity that's, you know, um, you know, making you and your family suffer. And if you take control and you look at yourself, not as a victim, but as a survivor, as someone who can thrive, then you absolutely, you put it in its place. And that at the end of the day, that is the trauma work that, that needs to happen. You need to take this event, whatever it is, or events, and you need to put it in its the right perspective in the in the, the right box. It's funny because I think what, where I'm going with this, I think we're actually going to all be saying the same thing. But you're saying take control of your life, mm-hmm. and I think in the same vein, the work that Peter and I do on the spiritual side of things, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, there's no sides, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We would say it's actually the opposite. You need to let go control, but in effect. It's taking an action. It's the same. So thing. that you get. Yeah. It's letting go. It's it's letting go of fear. 
it's letting go of what's keeping you down. And that's, we're, we're sure. saying the same. Exactly. Yeah, I, I know. It's absolutely the I same know. thing. Yeah. I know. Um, last question. How much, I think I know the answer to this, but how much is the event itself versus the narrative on top of the event? So the event is the event, whatever it happens. And we can do a scale of one to 10 and people can identify, yeah, getting, you know, you know, getting sexually abused is, is a, is a 20 on a scale from, from one to 10, but it, it, it is absolutely the narrative afterward. What do you do with that information? And to, typically speaking, um, people don't do well with it and it, and they, they create, um, um, they create, a war zone, right, in their head, um, and they don't participate in their own life. They, 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 um, you know, the, I, I, I like the term uh, participation versus anticipation. And they spend their time anticipating, you're going to get me, you're going to get me, instead of participating in their life where they're taking control of it and they're putting it where it belongs. Um, but so that's, that's my thinking, yeah. The incident happens when you're five and you're 40 years old and you're still replaying it. The narratives are never good. Never. They get worse over time. And then you think of the woulda, coulda, shouldas, if I can do it all over again. Uh, here's a simple narrative. Uh, you have a big business meeting on Monday morning and you know some of the players are going to be in there and you don't really care for them. And on your way to work in the morning, you have 50 scenarios. If they say this, I'm going to do that. And they're not going to react this way. And you're at war and you walk in and it's seamless. It's a great meeting. And you say, what was that about? You were in lock and load position. All day long we do this. But when we have trauma, my experience, I'm no expert here, but my experience is it was years I would replay uh, what, what, what happened to me. I was, guys, I was five years old in kindergarten, which they would probably call preschool nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I had the loveliest Jewish teacher. She was the sweetest woman in the world. And um, uh, Mrs. L uh, uh, was her name. And... Um, we used to do something called finger painting back in the day. We used to put on, you know, a smock and get all this stuff and paint. And I used to love it. And I went up to her one day and I says, walked with room was shaped like a U. And she was in the front. And I walked up to the front of the room. And he says, are we going to do finger painting today? And she leaned over like a sweet Jewish grandmother and says, honey, we're not going to do that today. We'll do that another day. Simple. But I had to turn around, walk back to yeah. my seat. I was convinced that every other five-year-old was saying, Peter Marinelli's an idiot. <laughs> so now I'm in school. You know what it took for me to raise my hand and ask a question? Uh, not going to happen. I'd rather just bow into the background. <laughs> yeah, not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just these little anecdotes are, are super powerful because like we objectively can see like, yeah, not a big deal. But I also relate to the fact that in that moment, you, the way that it feels is just as real as if it was real, mm -hmm. you know. Um, any concluding thoughts on, on this topic before we wrap it up? Yeah, I, I, I like the work that's being done with trauma. Um, I, I think we're getting it right. Um, and, and the indicator to that is that more men 
are 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 seeking therapy than than ever before. Yep. So so we're 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 do we're we're getting there. We're 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 doing something correct, and there is hope. And um, and you, you got to take care of yourself because you don't want your pseudo self to be dictating uh, what you do or don't do for the rest of your life. I think. Again, not only my experience, but countless others, when you have trauma, you tend to feel like you're the only one who ever experienced this. I'm really all alone. And if I tell someone I know they're going to judge me, I'm not feeling too good about myself to begin with. Uh, until you walk into a Sylvia Braffman Institute and you have people that are really, really working hard to get you out of that and help you heal. Um, that you're not alone, uh, that there is help available. And, uh, you know, maybe someone is watching this right now, guys, and they're, they're watching this saying, that's me, that's me. Who do I talk to? Mm-hmm. Well, there's places to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here. A- absolutely. And, um, yeah, please do feel free to reach out. The Sylvia Braffin Mental Health Center, our contact info is uh, should be on the page, you know, whether this is YouTube or Facebook um, uh, or easily accessible sylviabrathman.com. Um, please also send any questions or comments you have. You know, we're going to be really uh, launching this thing and, and we want to hear about what thoughts are coming up, what questions you have. And uh, we would definitely, maybe we'll create like a little section of the podcast where we answer some of those questions. Um, for now though, thank you guys so much. I, you know, it's really, it's nice to know that, you know, I, I look at you guys and, and in a sense, you know, I see these, these giants in behavioral health but being able to articulate some of these superhuman stories and anecdotes, you know, show, shows us that trauma doesn't necessarily need to uh, undermine our, our life. And, um, you know, there's a lot of hope and solutions. So appreciate you bringing that to light and um, have a great holiday season, a great rest of your week and look forward to next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you.